Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. I'm going to uh, going to share with you. Uh, I'm going to try to share with you this morning as honestly and as lovingly as I can. But I want to begin with the reality of just speaking from my own heart. First of all. I want to tell you, I'm not a religious person. The interesting aspect about being a rabbi is people usually assume, oh, you must have always been religious. Maybe you always want to be a rabbi. Maybe this is what you always wanted to do. This is the last thing on earth I ever wanted to do. I am not a religious person. Let me tell you a little story before I get into my testimony and just tell you this little story about how at one point there was a library strike in my university. I went to a university, a very large university. Um, uh, the University of Toronto at the time had 50,000 undergraduate students alone. Uh, but the, um, uh, the, the, university, the university library system went on strike. And uh, I was in a very small little college and uh, there was a very big college next to us, which I didn't know anything about. And it was a, um, a, a place kind of unknown to me. Uh, but this college issued an invitation. It said, all the other libraries are closed, but our library is open. So if you'd like to come and visit and use our library uh, study room, it's open. So I went, and you're looking at it right now. The place I went was actually the seminary that I ended up going to uh, and uh, where I gained my, um, my primary uh, education for ministry. It's called Knox College, and it's the uh, seminary of the Presbyterian uh, Church in Canada, but it's actually connected with a number of other seminaries attached to the university, to the university of Toronto, and, and this is what it looks like. It's one of the most beautiful buildings uh, really in the country. And uh, so I went inside this place and, and that's the entrance where you're looking. And then I went inside the library and that's what you're looking at as well. This beautiful setting with these remarkable, beautiful uh, stained, stained windows. And by the way, the view is just this beautiful uh, picture of the, the, the center of the, of the university. And I went in there and I realized this place is different. It's, it's got, it's some, it's different. And I, I felt so out of place. I thought to my, this is like a church. Now, I grew up in a Jewish home. I, I didn't just 
go into a church. Well, what was I doing here? You know what happened? I picked up my books and I fled. I fled. I was literally running away. And sometimes we need to re remember that the people we're talking to do not have peace with God. And that is the greatest challenge. We're trying to talk to them about some things that they're trying to run away from. And sometimes we need to remember that's where we started. That's where we started. I grew up in a very Jewish home in a, actually it was kind of like a, you know, very uh, lower class, working class neighborhood in what is now uh, North America's fourth largest city. It, it was pretty large city at the time that I grew up in and it's, it's much larger now, but um, Toronto always had a very large Jewish community. And I, uh, I was growing up in a home where my, my parents had come from Israel and I was um, not, like I said, very religious. My parents were very Israeli. Um, we uh, celebrated the holidays. I was, uh, you know, I, I became familiar enough with um, uh, Judaism to to know that I uh, I had no I had not much interest in it. I was always planning to be a writer. I really never planned to do anything else. And by the way, I always have to tell people I never planned to be a speaker. I hated speaking in front of crowds, and I was not very good at it. By the way, so how on earth I've come to faith in Yeshua? It's it, it's it's hard to believe uh, sometimes even for myself. But my path to Yeshua. Oops, uh, I've just uh, moved a little bit too fast. Hang on a second. My path to Yeshua started with um, a, um, uh, a very unexpected experience. My, um, my older brother, who is a pre-med student at another university in another city, came home one day with a, uh, uh, his usual backpack. And uh, I was passing... Uh, I was passing by and I noticed something had fallen out of it. It turned out it was a Bible and we uh, always argued and I decided that I was going to um, uh, take a closer look at this Bible and uh, sure, it was lovely, it was a beautiful Bible. It was that era where they were starting to bring out, you know, new translations. And I took a look at this and I just thought to myself, you know what? You know what's going to happen? We're going to have a fight. And you know what he's going to say to me? He's going to say to me, Ben, you don't know what you're talking about. Do you know what the Bible says? And I decided just at that moment, out of pure sibling rivalry, that I was going to go get a Bible and quote the Bible back at him. And I, it was just, that's, that's how I got to read the Bible. It's <laughs> hard to believe now. But I started reading the Bible because of that. Now, I had been planning a, a life uh, around literature and the Bible was amazing literature. I, I was amazed by it. And then of course, I also had a Bible that had that other part in it, that New Testament. You know, I, I really didn't plan to get one, but it, there it was the New Testament in it. And I started reading the New Testament too. And I was starting to be moved by 
Yeshua. I started to be moved by this incredible rabbi who um, spoke profoundly, directly to the heart. Uh, I, 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 was, I was intrigued. I was drawn to him. But then I read those words, which you see here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. As soon as I saw those words, I knew he wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just, you know, anyone. He was saying he was Emmanuel, God with us. And so I, I did the only thing I could do. I mean, I'd been spending a lot of time with the Bible at, at this point, you know. And, and by the way, that conversation, that conversation never came up. <laughs> My brother never tried to quote the Bible at me. But you know what happened? I read those words and I decided, you know what? This is too much. He's God. He's saying he's God. And so I closed the book on it, put it on the shelf. I thought I could get rid of, I thought I could get rid of this whole Jesus thing. But you know what happened instead? The Jesus thing started come more and more into my life as I was thinking, as I was studying philosophy. And philosophy later led to a dead end. And I was walking across the campus at the University of Toronto and I saw this sign. And the sign was advertising a guy called Art Katz. I took a closer look at the sign and this guy was definitely Jewish and he talks about Jesus. I went across the campus to hear him speak and I sat there and I was listening to someone say what I'd been thinking about for about a year. Um, that building that you're looking at in the other side is uh, the um, medical arts building and the auditorium was in that building where I went to see art. And, you know, after I had heard him I kept sitting there thinking, what's stopping me from making a decision? And finally, I realized, thank, thank, I was, you might say, thank God. I, well, thank goodness. I don't have to make a decision. I had a reason not to make a decision. I had what I call the big gun. And I believe everybody has one of these. Everyone who has come to faith has some great reason why they are sure either God doesn't want them or they don't need to choose for God. And that decision for me was the Holocaust. My father was a Holocaust survivor. My mother had barely survived the Holocaust. Most of my family had been devastated by it. How could there possibly be a God after the six million? Wow, what a relief. So I went up to speak to Art afterwards, and I said to him, what about the Holocaust? And he said to me, that's a very good question, and I have a question for you. What are you going to do about the Holocaust in here? And he pointed at my heart. And as soon as he did that, I realized I know what was in there. What's in the heart of every person? We're desperately wicked. And so, you know what? I didn't have an answer. I didn't have any answer for him because I realized I was just as evil on the inside as all those people I had spent so many years accusing, condemning. I was probably no better. I turned away, I began walking. And suddenly I heard his voice, wait, 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 come back, come back. He looked at me and he said, you're ready, aren't you? And I said, yes. And, I, and at that moment, he just put his arm around me and he prayed 
in the name of Yeshua. And for the first time in my life, I experienced peace with God. That was the beginning. That was the beginning for me. And I've been so blessed to walk in that peace. And yet at the same time, I know that sharing that peace can seem so hard. It seems we have to often learn through failures and frustrations, as well as persistence and perseverance. You know, I remember when I was spending uh, some time, uh, part of the young fellowship that would eventually become uh, part of Canada's first continuing messianic congregation, my mother came to me and she said, you know, there's something about you. You've changed. You really changed. Was, what's happened? Now, I was surrounded by other young men. At the time, I noticed that they had this um, pattern where they would go to their families, tell them, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Basically, that was the, the message. And I just, I just didn't feel that that was real. I didn't feel that was a message that was going to have any impact. And so I looked at my mother and I said, you know, mom, I believe Messiah has come. She looked at me and she said, the way you've changed, Messiah must have come. And it took years and the presence of God in her life, but she eventually came to faith in Yeshua because of what was God, because what God was doing in her heart and through the community and other means that God used. But that was the beginning. Why is it so hard? I think there are some reasons I, I wanted to speak of just as before we get into the whole nature of what it means to share the gospel, I know that people intend the best. They're very sincere about wanting to share their hearts and lives. But first of all, I've noticed peer pressures for performance instead of leading by the Holy Spirit, the Ruch HaKodesh, is often a barrier. Secondly, I've noticed there's sometimes an urgency. Sometimes we are too urgently trying to get someone saved. It's as if we've set a, a, a time limit on when they have to be saved. You know, they have to get saved. Or I'm, this has to be the conversation. Or this is going to be the turning point. But also, another thing, we move out of our comfort zone without prayer and preparation. So how do we pray? How do we prepare for those golden moments, for those moments of inspiration? And at the same time, why is it, and I, I ask this question just as, just as sincerely as I experienced it myself, sometimes why do we try to bring others in through the door where we put up so much resistance? You know, that's the interesting thing as well as Jews and Gentiles trying to cross a barrier, because of course Jewish people have resistance, of course they have tough questions, 
Messiah is supposed to bring peace. Where's the peace? Where was God during the Holocaust? Some say, I've tried to give a, I've tried to live a good life. Isn't that good enough? And some will say, well, wait a minute. You're saying my grandmother wasn't good enough for God? Or if Jesus is the Messiah, why don't all the rabbis and the Jewish people believe in him? Or isn't the New Testament anti-Semitic? These are all reasons that we can either fight with or we can learn to dialogue. Do you know that the Brit Hadashah was written by Jews who honored the Torah? Do you know that there are thousands of Messianic Jews all over the, the, the world and thousands of Messianic Jewish people in Israel who believe Yeshua is the Messiah? Are you seeking peace with God? If you ask God about Yeshua, what do you think would happen? There are ways of entering dialogue, but we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. There's no real replacement for a prepared heart. I go back to this passage in Ephesians chapter two, which I've read over many years and has changed my thinking, even as I consider it with you this morning. Because really here, Paul Rav Shaul is helping us to define what is the good news? What is the gospel? for people who are trying to run away, for people who are struggling. And during times that we're going through, people were asking, really God intended this for us to go through? Those are good questions. We don't need to throw them back at people. We need to listen often. I, I, I've probably stopped talking more and tried to listen more as I've grown and learn to more deeply understand my own weaknesses in witnessing. And that's part of the challenge. Do you know yourself as a witness? Do you know what your weaknesses are? Do you know what your strengths are? Rav Shaul urges us to consider and remember where we came from. You used to be dead because of your sins and disobedience. You walked in the ways of Olam Hazer. And we followed the passions of our old nature and obeyed the wishes of our old nature. And what happened? Actually, we knew we were headed for God's wrath. But God is so rich in mercy and loves us with such intense love that even when we were dead because of our acts of disobedience, he brought us to life along with the Moshiach. Uh, it is by grace that you have been delivered. Indeed, that's it, isn't it? By grace. I look back day by day. I, I am I'm more even deeply moved by the reality of grace. That's what moves me to share with others. And he continues, God was raised us up with the Mashiach, Yeshua, and seated us with him in heaven in order to exhibit in the ages to come, how infinitely rich is his grace, how great is his kindness toward us who are united with Messiah Yeshua. Here it is. Here's the, the kernel of the gospel. Oh, how rich is his grace. How great is his kindness toward us who are united with Messiah. This is what it's all about. For you have been delivered by grace through trusting 
And even this is not your accomplishment, but God's gift. For we are not of God's making, created in union with Messiah Yeshua for a life of good actions already, already prepared by God for us to do. I want to repeat verse 10 again. We are of God's making, created in union with Messiah Yeshua for a life of good actions already prepared for God of, uh, for God for us to do. So we must learn how to start spiritual dialogue. We need to follow our sometimes learned cues, cues that we've learned, you know, are, are catching, essentially catching hooks to develop those kinds of relationships. Where was God when that happened? Did someone ever pray for you? When you're hearing someone talk about their troubles, you know, you just drop that line in. I hope God is helping you get through this. Or can I pray for you? We, we drop cues into spiritual dialogue because we are searching at different times as we're prompted by the Lord for how we're going to talk with someone, how we're going to share with someone. There are other times when it's almost in our face, you know, somebody's confronting us. Somebody is uh, already on that uh, spiritual line with us. But when somebody is actually confronting and talking to us about our faith, are you thoughtful or casual? Are you intentional or are you superficial? These are things to weigh for yourself because you're not always in touch with where God is leading. Sometimes you have to step back, sometimes inwardly. Your heart needs to ask that deeper question. What is God trying to do with me right now? I, I was once introduced by a friend to his brother. And the brother assured me that the one thing he was never, ever going to do was make the same mistake as his brother who had followed Messiah. And we spent the day together. We spent the day talking about all these issues until that point came where this man finally opened up his heart and revealed that he really was desiring to take this step, but did not know how to do it. Did not know how to do it. And that is one of the key questions. Do you know how to move forward in a spiritual dialogue? Do you know how to lead someone to the Lord? That is something you need to prepare yourself for. The sermon is not the time for me to give you all those details, but I urge you, be prepared. What are the keys then? What are, what are the keys? First of all, know your calling. And by the way, there are a lot of non-Jewish people who, who wonder, I can't, you know, they'll say, 
how can I speak to Jewish people? I don't know enough. Jewish people know so much more than I do. But look at these words of Rav Shaul. It's an encouragement, an inspiration, specifically for you. He says, to those of you who are Gentiles, I say this, since I myself, I'm an apostle, the emissary sent the Gentiles. I make known the importance of my work in the hope someone, somehow, I may provoke some of my own people to jealousy and save some of them. Gentiles have that unique calling to provoke Jewish people to jealousy. In fact, I often wonder why it is that God has so beautifully equipped so many Gentiles to reach Jewish people. A few years, a few months ago, I got to know an amazing, amazing woman. She had begun a, um, uh, just a, a common work uh, dealing with children. She, you know, she, she created post-school programs for children. And at a certain point, many of her clients were, were Jewish people. And I remember her saying to me, Ben, I, you know, I love these people, but I was wondering, like, how is it that God put me in this situation? And I had to share with her, you love Israel. You have a heart for people. God's put those things together. It's an opportunity. It's a door. God has opened a door for you. And indeed, that's what a calling is. So I urge you, first of all, as Paul says, follow your gift. For you've been delivered by grace through trust, through faith. As you know, our, our friend David Stern has replaced those words commonly in our translations that say by faith. But even if this is not your accomplishment, but God's gift, first of all, recognize your gifts. I remember two missionaries coming to me and saying, Ben, some people just have that gift. And we've seen it. Some people just... They are just winsome with the gospel. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people who has that gift of evangelism, definitely, you've got something special. But many of us don't just have it so easily. And so what do we do? We spend time waiting on the, the Ruach HaKodesh. It's good, first of all. Wait on him. Ask him, what is the way forward with someone we've been talking to? Don't think in terms of the immediate. Think in terms of the longer, full relationship you've developed with someone. And, and don't think, well, you know, as soon as I, I, I have this relationship, I'm going to bring them to my, my rabbi or someone else. No, 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 you've developed that relationship. What's God going to do through you? Secondly, allow others to prompt you. Allow others to reveal to you what your strengths are. Uh, don't resist when people say, well, you've got a gift. And by the way, 
Don't dismiss opportunities, seize them. Learn to seize those opportunities and follow your calling. For we are, are of God's making, created in union with the Messiah for a life of good actions, already prepared by God for us to do. You know, that's an amazing promise for you. Take hold of that promise. God has already prepared amazing things for you to do. So bloom where you're planted and bloom well. Plan to be all in with the spiritual community that you've committed yourself to. And by the way, learn from your dissatisfactions. I've often tried to encourage people by simply saying, you know that thing that frustrates you the most? You know, your desire to see greater prayer, that desire to see better organization in the, you know what? That's a prompting to follow your gift. That's a prompting to use your dissatisfactions to bless the community. How can you, seeing this challenge, rise to the occasion and then also respond to what you see God doing? When you see God acting, pray. Commit yourself as well in faithfulness to what God is doing in your midst. And also, follow your heart. You know that passage that we read from Luke chapter 6 today? That to me is so full of the rich message of Yeshua. We are so often full of condemnation. When I look back at where I have come, I think most, I think most deeply of how I've had to move towards grace as the key principle in relationships. Listen to those beautiful words again. God is so rich in mercy and loves us with such intense love that even when we were dead, because of our acts of disobedience, he brought us to life along with the Messiah. It is by grace that you've been delivered. It is by grace that this young man who fled from anything that seemed religious came into a relationship with Yeshua. And that's your story too. Somehow that's your story just as much as mine. And so this is the real key. We have to be the good news. We are the good news. Our relationships are really that deeper question. You know, we fight sometimes and argue about these things. When in fact, the key issue for the people around us is whether or not we're authentic. And that's what they really want to know. And if we've made that point, we do not want to turn what is real into a smoke screen. We want to be the good news and not let something else come in the, in the way because Yeshua walks through closed doors. That's the ultimate message. Yeshua walks through closed doors. You're looking at my dear friend, Dr. Michael Wadlinger.
when we first met, and it's about 15 or 16 years ago, he was a retired university professor. Uh, Michael was not a believer. And in fact, he was extremely frustrated because he was uh, in a partnership with uh, a, a lovely uh, lady um, who had just become a follower of Yeshua. Michael came from a very uh, fine Jewish family and he had uh, been married and divorced with a very nice Jewish lady and had nice Jewish kids. And he was not at all interested in this faith thing. But after some weeks of witnessing, the pastor of his partner brought Michael to me. And Michael and I began to talk and we began to discuss what he had heard and what he knew. And at a certain point, Michael came to that place where he said to me, you know, Ben, maybe what you're saying is true. Maybe these scriptures and all that, maybe, they're, maybe it's really true Yeshua is the Messiah. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it's true, but, but Ben, how could I take this step? Do, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a retired university professor. What, my, what would my children think? What would the Jewish community think? And I looked at him and I said, Michael, you're divorced. You're not that close to your kids. You're living with this lady. What do you think people are saying about you now? I left it at that. A few days later, Michael called me, he had just gotten up off his knees. He had prayed. He had asked God who Yeshua was and he had prayed to receive him. Yeshua walks through closed doors. My friends, you know, this is the key reality. More than anything, are you good news? Use all that God has given you to be good news. And Yeshua, I assure you, will walk even through closed doors to answer your prayers and to reach the people you love. Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, thank you for your inspiration, your power, and your purpose in our lives. Now, Father, direct us. Give us courage, spiritual courage, to take up those tasks which you've already prepared for us to do and to fulfill your purpose. And as we witness, may we truly be good news for our community, for those we love, and for those whom you've called us to reach, whom we do not yet know. But your spirit is preparing us. Prepare us well, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.